you help me welcome all of those who are tuning in online with us right now who took the time, uh, even though they weren't able to come on like, like you really mean it. Like these people are taking their time out of their schedule. Maybe they couldn't be here, but they are engaged with us. And we believe that God is going to honor your engagement today. John 8 and Matthew 17. Let me make this statement as you turn there. We're going into a new series today that is probably one of the most important series I have ever uh, taught, that I've ever learned, and I would be amiss not to share with you. Here's what I want you to remember as we go through this thing today, is that God's desire for you is not just for you to be saved, but free. God's desire for you, well, aren't those the same thing? Uh, Well, possibly. We're going to talk about it. But God's desire for you is not that you would just receive salvation or be saved, but that you would experience absolute freedom. In fact, a lot of this message, I want to give you my resource. You can go look these guys up. Uh, they pastor churches and, and, and people uh, and, and do a lot more than I've even began to consider doing for God's kingdom at this point. Pastor Robert Morris at Gateway Church in Southlake and Pastor Chris Hodges at Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. Even God is so good that he even does good things in Alabama. It's unbelievable. That is how powerful he is. But they both taught this message uh, free indeed. And we're going to kind of make it our own. And we're going to present it to you and let it affect us personally. We're calling it absolute freedom. I want to make sure and communicate to you the importance uh, that you are here for this series, like not just today, but that you continue to be here. And in fact, let me just take it to the next step, next phase, if you will. Um, I truly believe that Lucifer himself does not want you to hear this message. He does not want you to be here for this series. And it's possible that he will even do his best to keep you from coming and hearing this series. He may even stir some offense inside of you <laughs> that, that would cause you to not want to be a part of this series. I cannot emphasize the importance of you coming to every message that you can of this series. It may be one of the most pivotal steps in your Christian walk that we have ever discussed. Why does the enemy not want you to hear this message This series, because he is a thief. And in this series, we are going to expose the thief for what he is. And here's the thing. Lucifer knows the scripture better than even some of us do. And he understands the principle in Proverbs and in Levitical law that when a thief is exposed, he is bound to restore that which he has stolen seven times. And we're going to expose the enemy for what he is. We're going to expose the thief. And then he is going to have to restore unto you that which he stole seven times what he took away. And that's why this is so important. Let me say it this way also. Let me just add this. That when the enemy takes something away or when the thief robs from you, he's bound by Scripture to restore it seven times. But when God removes it from your life, he's not going to leave you in lack. When God removes it 
from your life. He has bound himself according to his word to restore it unto you a hundred times. So that helps me feel better knowing that the things that I used to have or maybe the things that I've given up for God. (laughs) That's funny because we really haven't ever given anything up compared to what he gave to us. But even those things he's going to restore in this life or the next a hundred times over. Let me say this. Many believers are not free because they do not recognize that they are in bondage. Let me make it personal. Seasons of life. And still these things rise their ugly head up at times. But at times, we, we, me included, are not free. We are not free because we do not recognize that we are in bondage. That we are still bound by something. That we are still stuck in something. Because God's desire is not that we would just be saved, but free. John chapter 8, verse 31. Let me kind of prove my point with Scripture this morning. John chapter 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed Him. Okay, He's not talking to unbelievers. He's not talking to the lost or those that don't know Him. He's talking to Jews so people that knew the scriptures who believed, not just religious people, but a people that he had actually involved in a relationship with to the Jews who believed in him. He says this, if you abide and I'm sorry, I don't like it when pastors do it, but they do it to me and I want to do it to you because I did it to first service. I want you to read this with me and emphasize the word abide. Are you ready? If you abide. Do it one more time. If you abide. One more. Well, no, two more times, but one more now. Okay. If you abide. Okay. It's really important that you understand that salvation is more than something that you just accept. Jesus is more than something that we just accept. We don't just accept Christ. We must abide. Okay, like 20 of you. I don't want to do it again. Abide in Christ. So this is what he says. Jesus himself says, if you abide in my word. And now Jesus is the word. Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word. So if you say, Jesus is saying, if you abide in me. If, if you just abide, then you are my disciples indeed. Listen, this is paramount, okay? Salvation does not complete the process. Salvation begins the process. It is not the end all. It is the ignition of all that he has available to you. So often we receive salvation and we have this great moment and then we like let our guard down. Or we have this great experience and we have this great time in the presence of God and then we go back out and we get back involved in the things that we were involved in and sometimes we even become worse than we were before because we just accepted Jesus but we did not abide in Jesus. You with me? Have you seen this? Is it just me? Maybe I'm the only one. I've seen a lot of people get, get stuck there. Like, hi, I'm Chris. And I was that. <laughs> and I could still be. I'm not above it. Nobody in this room is above. Falling back into or 
abandoning and entering back into willingly everything that Jesus has already set us free of. We must abide. And watch this. What happens when we abide is that verse 32, we will know the truth. Okay. And the truth will make us free. Everybody just wants to quote that one scripture. The Bible says you will know the truth and the truth. No, no, no. The Bible says if you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And then you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. We can't just take the promises of God out of context and try to apply them where they don't. We have to keep that thing where it's supposed to be. You don't just get truth and freedom. You get Jesus, and He provides truth and freedom. Does that make sense? If you abide in Christ. Watch this. Now you're a believer. Now you know the truth. I want to encourage some of you guys, because I haven't gotten to meet some of you, and some of you I've met and forgotten, and I reintroduced myself, and that's so embarrassing, and I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't know why Jesus did not make me or Megan good at remembering people's names. It seems like one of us would have been... We have to ask Adeline, our seven-year-old. Adeline, what's what's their name? It's like... How do you not remember? Like, I don't know. That's what we ask. I don't know. Oh, no. But if you're new here or if you've been coming for a little while now, can I just encourage you? Two things. Number one, for the next three months, I, I want to encourage you to sell out to Jesus like you never have before. Like, don't just put one foot in and test the water. I'm talking about, like, hold your nose and, and cannonball and just jump in the deep side. And then to, like, splash other people, even if they're dry, you know, especially. Because that's the most fun, right? It's everybody sitting on the side of the pool that you do a cannonball for. Like, y'all going to get in too, like it or not. Yay! And you get them. Okay, anyway. So jump in. Here's the other thing. Listen, I, I, and I really believe this. And, and Pastor Chris gave me this. And I thought, man, that is, that is so solid. That if you will give us one year of your life, like if you will not miss a Sunday and you will get involved in this church for one year of your life, unless there's something going on that we don't know, I can almost guarantee you that you will look up three months and a year from now and you will hardly even recognize the person that you were before. Because the more that you get plugged into God's call on your life, the less you pay attention to all the other calls on your life. Well, I've been doing anyways. Verse 33, they, the Jews who believed, they said, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. (laughs) Guys, have you read Exodus? Like there's this story about the Israelites and the Egyptians and this man named Pharaoh. (laughs) Like that was Abraham's descendants. And uh, last time I read They were in bondage. (laughs) They sound like us, though. We are saved and we can never be in bondage. We are saved by the blood of Jesus once and for all. And he has set me free. And he who the son. Okay, yeah, but context, right? Yeah, we're Abraham's descendants. But you remember that time that God quit talking to you for 400 years because you were in so much bondage over your own sin that you couldn't hear from heaven any longer? You remember feeling that? That's these people. They're like, we've never been in bondage. (laughs) Yes, you have. Could you imagine what Jesus thought? I mean, sometimes God communicates to me the way I am. Okay, so most of the times the things that God says to me are very sarcastic. (laughs) That's how God talks to me. And if if I would have been Jesus in that moment, I would have like, 
I'd have had a hard time not bringing Bill Inval, Inval, uh, before, Inval, whatever his name is, to do like the here's your sign thing for all those Jewish people right there in that moment. Yes, you have been bound. You have been. They said, we've never been in bondage to anyone. And so how can you say you will be made free? Listen, the, the, the number one way to stay bound is to not admit that you are bound. And I don't just mean like consciously, like acknowledge, oh, I am bound. I do have a problem. I'm going to keep having a problem. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. I mean like acknowledging it and then admitting it. That's why scripture says those who confess the Lord Jesus Christ and believe that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Why? Because you have to admit. All right, look, like true life. I got problems. Not just acknowledge that you have problems, but admit it and be willing to let God deal with it. Watch this. Here's what Jesus says. He answers them and, and he's so much more gracious than, than I am. Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave. They're like, my bad. Whoever commits sin is a slave to sin and a slave does not abide in the house forever. And they did not say anything else. They stopped saying that we've never been bound. But, how many kids we have in here? Well, not very many. Most of them. I want you to like circle that but. Okay, that's an important but. It's a big but. It's going to make a big difference in your life. I want you to circle it and highlight. I didn't do this in first service. There's still too many kids in there. But I thought I would like re-engage the teenagers. It's a very important but <laughs> right there. It can make a difference in your life. But. A son or a child of God abides forever. We don't just accept. We abide. And then, and then watch what happens. You were a slave to sin. You were stuck in a rut. You were struggling. Even as a believer. Verse 36. Therefore, if the son makes you free, then you shall be. Okay. That has the ability to be like a future tense process, by the way. Not just that he didn't say you are right now and you will never struggle again. Do you know how discouraging that is? If you tell somebody that and then when they wake up tomorrow and they're still struggling it, they think there's something wrong with them. And it's not true. Jesus didn't say he who the son sets free is free right now. He said you shall be. If you will stay the course, stay in the process and abide in me. I am faithful and just and I will see this thing through all the way into heaven for all time. I'm not going to let you down. I'm not going to stop loving you. You got to stick with me though. You got to stick it out. He who the son makes free shall be free. Indeed, absolute freedom. What's the secret? Jack Hayford. Jack Hayford is uh, one of the presidents, early presidents of the Foursquare Gospel Church. He's a renowned author, and he was also extremely instrumental in something that some of you may recognize, some of uh, my age guys and, and a little older, but uh, uh, something called Promise Keepers. Jack Hayford was very involved in that. And, and here's what Jack Hayford said about this being free, okay? He said, you cannot... Cast out the flesh. You cannot cast out the flesh. That's a reference to like casting out demons or deliverance. You cannot cast out the flesh. And watch this. You cannot 
disciple a demon. You can't cast out the flesh and you can't disciple a demon. So here's what we need to ask ourselves. What we need to ask ourselves is, um, do I need to be discipled or do I need to be delivered? And, And let me help you. Let me just give you the answer to your question. You ready? Yes. Every one of us, every, you want Bofa, okay? <laughs> like, you remember on the, on the movie, where, oh, oh, help me, Jesus, in radio, thank you, Lord. When the lady came and she's like, what kind of pie do you want? He said, I want both. You know, I love that. Like, me too, man. Don't come to my house and offer me half a plate. I want the whole thing, baby. Like, appetizer, entree, and dessert. And if you got some salad in there, I'll take that too. Sweet tea with lemon. You can cut it in half if you need to. That's what I love. I want both. I don't want just, just deliverance. And if I need to be delivered, I need to be delivered. And I want just discipleship. I want everything that God has to offer. So, well, which one am I dealing with, Pastor Chris? Who cares? <laughs> just get everything that God has for you, and you won't want everything else that you had for yourself. Are you, does that make sense? Do I need discipleship or deliverance? Yes. Me too. It's okay. We're in this process. The only way to be free is to be in Christ. And the only people that do not get free are those that do not admit that they are in bondage. We need to be free, not just saved. Yeah, verse 35 said we are a slave to sin. When we are in sin, we are a slave to sin. But verse 36 gives us a promise that we can be free. If you're taking notes, I got 15 minutes. Number one, we need to admit where we are. Admit where we are. The more that we abide in Christ, the more discipled we become. And the more discipled we become, the more free we become. We need to admit where we are or admit where we are not. Like, I'm not there. And it's not okay, but it can be okay. We don't need to stop and be settled. Let me tell you three types of people. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural man, that's those natural men. Those are people that do not yet know Jesus. They have not received salvation. They have not been born again. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Because why? Because they're foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, if you've not been saved and he's not made your spirit alive, then you're not going to understand what we're talking about. Like it's not going to make sense to you until you acknowledge Jesus and accept his salvation and let him make you spiritual, you're still unspiritual and therefore deceived instead of discerned. Does it make sense? So number one, we're one A, if you will, subpoint. God addresses through Paul the unspiritual person. And then he comes right back in verse 15 and he says, but he who is spiritual So he has the unspiritual person and now the spiritual person. He who is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Verse 16, for who has known the mind of Christ that he may instruct him? Question, but we have the mind of Christ. Because he, 
We were dead in our sins and we were unspiritual, but we have been born again as joint heirs with Jesus and made alive in Christ. So now we know. Now we make judgments clearly. Now we discern clearly. Now we know the difference between right and wrong. Now we can acknowledge it. Like before, we didn't acknowledge that this was wrong. Like we did it and called it fun and felt fine about it. We didn't wake up in the morning feeling bad about anything. We woke up the next morning and our only objective was to recover from it so we could get back to work. But now that we're spiritual, we can't continue to do those things because we're convicted by them. And by the way, that's kind of some evidence of your salvation, that you can't continue to do the things that you used to do and still feel okay about it because you are a child of God and there's a spirit on the inside of you crying out, I got to do something different. I can't continue this way. I got to let God change me. Can I tell you the good news today? That if God can change us from unspiritual to to spiritual, If he can take us from lost to found, if he can take us from dying in our sins to alive in Christ, then he can take care of the rest as well. Even the things that we're still struggling with, like it's not too big for him. Well, I tried that salvation thing. No, no, no. You don't just try salvation. You receive salvation and you subject yourself to salvation. And then God begins to make you free through a process. Watch this. Subpoint C. You have the unspiritual person, the worldly person. I'm sorry, and the spiritual person. And finally, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1 shows us the final type of person, the worldly or the carnal person. Paul says, I could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Okay, look, that's not like really good looking women in Corinth. Okay, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about babies. Like, like you were born again. And and I still I still even though you're born again, I still have to talk to you in a certain way because you're not ready for the meat of the gospel yet. You're still on, and even the passage even goes on, you're still stuck on milk. You're not, you're not growing. You're not developing. You're just a baby in Jesus. And if I give you any more than the things that babies can take, then I will choke you and you won't grow. And so I have to speak to you in a certain way because you're, you're still worldly. Even though you're reborn, even though you're born again in Jesus Christ, you're still you're worldly. One pa- this passage says carnal. The, the Latin word that we get, you know, carnal, carne, like, like chili con carne. I like, I like chili con carne, okay, especially at about this time most days. And by the way, that's just like meat, right? It's just chili with meat in it. If you bring chili to my house, don't bring me chili with no meat, okay? That's not chili, that's soup, okay? I don't want soup. I want chili. I want chili with meat. But, but many of us, just like chili con carne, we're Christians, but we still have a lot of flesh to deal with. So we're like Christian con carne. <laughs> Don't eat yourself. That would be weird. Don't do that. But we're like, we're still stuck in our flesh. We're, we still got some sin in our lives. You understand what I'm saying? Like, we, we're still worldly. And we need to let God deal with that too. Not just making us spiritual, but making us like Him. In every way. Number two. Number one, we need to admit. But number two, we need to ask. And not assume. 
Don't just assume that you're where you're supposed to be. Evaluate. Ask. Don't just assume, right, that, that I'm not talking to you. Or this, that this series is for somebody that you wish were here listening to it right now. Stop that, okay? Because I know some of you are like, man, I wish I would have invited Bob today. He could have really heard. You know, no, this is for you, okay? You get it right, and that will be the example that he will follow, and then you'll both be free. We need to stop pointing fingers and start accepting conviction, conviction and everything that God has for us. If I don't deal with it, somebody else will have to. And I'm telling you, I love my babies too much to let something stick around in my life so that they have to struggle with it for the rest of theirs. It's going to stop with me. I'm going to deal with it. Me and Jesus are going to make this thing happen. I'm not just going to receive salvation. I'm going to receive the absolute freedom that Jesus has available, available to me so that they can run farther than I could have ever run because they're not carrying the weight that I carry to get to the place that I'm in. Do you understand what I'm saying? we got to be free. God's desire is that we would be absolutely free, that we wouldn't just assume that we are. See, Paul says to these people in this passage, we're not keeping the covenant because we're worldly. That's why we're breaking our covenant. Because we st we're, we're still too much like, like the rest of the world. We still want the same things. We still talk the same way. We still strive after things the same way. We still look like them. We still speak like them. And we still act like them. And then we wonder, God, what are you doing up there? And he's like, what are you doing down there? I told you to be consecrated, set apart for a purpose. That's God's desire for us. But Paul says, I got to talk to you in a certain way because you've you're, you, you still got too much world in you. So what's the answer? We get more godliness in us. That we pursue Him. That, that we don't start just trying to do good things. No, no, we pursue Jesus. And we let those things flow in and out of us. Just like the illustration that Pastor John and Lydia gave us on Wednesday. That we had this bucket full of like all kinds of mess. And some of them aren't even really that bad. Like they're not bad things. Like I love LSU football. But when I ignore my baby... In the middle of the game or I start yelling at people because I'm mad at a stupid football team. Like I wasn't mad last night. Praise the Lord. <laughs> it was a good game. But uh, if I sleep in on Sunday because I'm mad about what happened on Saturday, oh, my bad. I'm going to step back because I got Tiger fans. I'm from Minden, man. I love, the, I love LSU. My grandmother lived next to the stadium. But if I let carnal things affect my attitude that affects everybody else around me, then what's out of line? My priorities. We're too worldly. We need, to, we need to get more of the Spirit of God on the inside of us and it will reveal like a bucket. You have all these things and just imagine that those things have fiber in them and they float. <laughs> Some of y'all gonna catch that later. Okay, so it comes, right? And, and you put, the more water you put in that bucket, the more those things rise to the top of the bucket, right? The more that they're revealed. And then all of a sudden, only because you're getting more God in you, those things begin to spill out and you begin to overcome them. Not because you were trying to be better or trying to get rid of those things, but because you were abiding in Christ and you were letting Him fill you up. And the more that He filled you, the less that you wanted to fulfill those old things. Galatians 5, 17, it says, For the flesh lust against the spirit. The flesh, the meat, the carnal, it, it lusts against the spirit. Man, that's, that's a, 
really deep way of saying, like we want things that we should not want, and those things go against the Spirit of God on the inside of us. We lust against the Spirit. And the Spirit, now watch this, it fights back. And you can feel this going on on the inside of you as you're struggling for freedom or you're struggling against unforgiveness or worry or fear, or anxiety or, or fun. As you're struggling against temptation, as you're struggling against whatever it is that we struggle against. And I could continue to try to name things, but I may or may not ever hit yours, but you know what it is. As you're struggling, you can feel this war going on on the inside of you between your flesh and the Spirit of God on the inside of you. And, and these things are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. By the way, that, that's a pretty good definition of addiction. When you, when you do not do the things that you wish you would do, or you continue to do the things that you wish you would not do, so what's the answer? Admit it. And ask. Don't assume. The reason that we're doing that is because we're too much like the world. And we're not enough like Him. Our, we are made up of, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, body, soul, and spirit. That's our flesh, our emotions, and our knowing, or the Spirit of God. I don't have time to explain all that. But the question is, body, soul, and spirit. Am I living by my flesh, my emotions, or by the Spirit of God on the inside of me? Which one am I living by? And which one is the strongest? Come on, Pastor John. Which one is the strongest in me? Is my flesh the strongest? Are my emotions the strongest? Like, am I an emotional roller coaster? It, it, are, are the people around me that they're like a box of chocolates? They never know what they're gonna get. Okay, which one is it? Like, I don't want to be that way. I don't want my. I don't want our staff or my wife or, or my children to wonder like how I'm gonna act towards them based on how I feel that day. I don't want that. Now listen, can I just be really, really transparent? I really struggle with this because I'm kind of an emotional person. And I think that God made me this way on purpose. But I don't think that He's going to leave me this way on accident. I believe that He wants me to use what He created me to be for His glory. Because He, he made me the way that I am because He has a purpose for the way that I am. And when He redeems it, He can use it. When He redeems me, He can use me. So, so I never stop growing. You know which one is the strongest in your life? Body, soul, or spirit? You know which one's the strongest? The one that you feed the most. That's the one that's the most, has the most influence in your life. Are you struggling with lust? Stop feeding it. Are you struggling with anxiety, depression, and fear? Listen, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and self-control. Stop feeding it. Are you with me? Are you struggling with unforgiveness? Jesus died on the cross for that person just as much as He did you. Stop. Stop feeding it. I know that's hard. But you got to stop feeding it. Are you struggling with being an emotional roller coaster and you never know what you're going to get on a daily basis? I get it, man. I feel you. 
stop feeding it. Because you should be immovable, unshakable, and steadfast. Never, never slowing down, but abounding in the work that God has for you. Not an emotional roller coaster. Stop feeding it. How do I make it right? Matthew 17, I told you we were going there. This is where we'll end. The disciples had followed Jesus for several years and done some really incredible things. But then this man has a son that's demon-possessed, and, and he took him to the disciples, this son that's demon-possessed. He's like throwing himself in the fire and foaming at the mouth and trying to drown himself in the water. And the dad, because there's always a father that is available to try to help the, the child be free. He never gave up. Even when he would throw himself back in the fire, the father would pick him up again. Even when he would begin to just have some odd emotional expression, foaming at the mouth or doing something crazy that didn't make any sense to who that son wanted to be, the father would pick him up again and again and again and again. He never gave up on the child. And he brought him to the disciples and the disciples couldn't do anything. They tried and it didn't work. Even though they had done it before, right? They were there when Jesus walked on water, healed Lazarus. When that guy that couldn't walk picked up his mat and was like walking around, the disciples were like, dude, <laughs> they were there. And yet this, this one they couldn't, they couldn't fix. So he brings him to Jesus and, and Jesus casts a demon out. And he looks at the disciples in verse 17 and he says, you unbelieving and perverse. Are you faithless and perverse generation? Man, that's kind of harsh. Maybe it's just a harsh translation. Jesus is just saying, unbelieving, like you're not connected to God the way that you need to be. You're not connected to me the way that I want you to be. Even though I have saved you and you have left everything in the past and you're walking with me and following me, you're still faithless. You're still struggling to be connected to me the way that you need, the way that I want you to be. Unbelieving, faithless, and perverse. You're still way too connected to the world. You're unbelieving and faithless. You're not like me. And because you're not pursuing me, you're still pursuing this. You're too much like them and not enough like me. And so in verse 19, the disciples said, why couldn't we do this? Like, because they had done it before. Why couldn't we set him free? Why couldn't we cast out the demon? God, why can't we disciple that person? Why won't they come with me to church? Why won't they this? Why, won't, why couldn't I? Why can't I? And Jesus gives them the answer, verse 20, because it's because of your unbelief. And, and he's not like casting stones here. He's saying it's because you're not connected to me. Because you're not pursuing me. That's why your friend is, is not following you. Because they're justifying what they're doing based off of what you're doing. Because you're still pointing at their behavior. And God wants to deal with their belief. Like, the, the real issue is not what they're doing. The, the real issue is... Who they are or are not in Him. So because of your unbelief, 
assuredly I say to you, if you just had faith of a mustard seed, like if you would just get a little closer to me, if you would just go after me again a, a little bit more than you already have been, if you keep coming after me, then you'll be able to speak to this mountain and say to it, move from here to there and it will move. Why? Because in me, there's nothing that is impossible because all things are spiritual. Your faith is spiritual. Your anxiety is spiritual. Your unforgiveness is spiritual. Your lack of obedience is spiritual. God's provision is spiritual. Everything has to do with the fact that we are either believing or unbelieving and where we are in the process because it's all spiritual. But nothing is impossible. So how do we fix it? How do we fix it? He says, this kind does not go out except by prayer because prayer connects us back to Jesus. We're going to pray in just a minute. And then you're going to pray tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. You know, every morning when I wake up, I'm, I, I try to be very intentional about this. The first thing I do is not check Facebook. Don't do that. <laughs> it's, it's not a good idea. It makes you mad. <laughs> Nobody has ever spent an hour on Facebook, closed it and went, whoo, glory to God, I'm ready to take on my day. <laughs> Nobody does that. Or Instagram or Snapchat or Twitter or nothing. None of that stuff, right? It's... Tweeters are what you have in your truck. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever it is, man, wake up in the morning. Listen, listen. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, let the first thought that you have, Jesus, don't let me get out of this bed. Don't let me go about my day without you. I want to follow you today. I want to do your will for my life today. It will set the course for the rest of your day. Set your course for the rest of your life. Prayer, connecting you to Jesus. And now watch this. And fasting. I just talked about fasting. I didn't even mean to. Because fasting separates you or disconnects you from the world. It's when you lay that thing down and you replace it with Him. Or time in His presence. That you stop pursuing good things and you pursue God. That's what it looks like. We can be free. Romans 8, 13 through 17. I'm going to read it and I want to end. I really want to end on a highlight. Help me, Lord. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. For any man that sows unto the flesh shall reap unto the flesh death. You will die. But. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, and you will live. Verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and the daughters, the children of God. Verse 15, for you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs 
heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together with him. I'm telling you that you might have been a slave yesterday, but you can be free tomorrow. You might have been depressed yesterday afternoon, but you can begin to pursue your destiny tomorrow morning. There is salvation around the corner for you, and there is a process of freedom. The enemy has been tempting me, Pastor. The enemy has been coming against me. The enemy has been trying to steal from me. You let him steal, because I'm telling you today that Jesus came to give life and give it abundantly, and anything that the devil takes away, he's got to restore sevenfold, and when God removes it from your life, he'll restore it a hundredfold, and you'll look back at all the things that you thought you lost, and you will thank God for the freedom that he has replaced those things with because he who the son sets free shall be free indeed we can be free not just saved we can be free and so can our children and our grandchildren and their children if you will bow your head close your eyes with me quickly I want to know if you're in the room right now and you need to receive salvation. I don't want to play games. If you've never been born again and today you know that you need to be or you want to be. You just want to receive Jesus. Would you raise your hand right where you are? Pastor, include me. I see you. I see you. I see you. I want to make sure and be in this prayer. I've never been born again. I've never received salvation. Anybody else? I need to receive Jesus right now today. Possibly for the very first time. Let me ask you another question. No games. No games. Don't, don't play. If you're in this room right now and you're not currently following Jesus, you're not living for God, and today you want to make it right, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Include me in the prayer. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Thank you. Come on. I see you. I see you. I, I want to be free. I want to live for God today. Can I ask you one more question? Nobody looking around. There's an area in your life where you're still not free. Unforgiveness, anxiety, depression, fear, lust, immorality, addiction. See, it doesn't have to be just this horrible thing in order to keep you from achieving God's will. It can be the simplest thing that the enemy continues to use as a foothold that will establish a stronghold and keep you from God's will for your life. If you're in the room right now and you want to just raise your hand and say, I want to be free, Pastor. That's me. I I, I want to be free from this. I see you. 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 Come on, everybody stand in the room with me today. I just want you to begin to worship Jesus right where you are. Right where you are. I don't know what that means. Well, I can promise you it's not going to be found in your neighbor, so don't start looking there. Just look to Jesus and pray for just a minute. Father, I pray that your freedom would come into this place right now. I pray that if we raised our hands, we would begin to receive your salvation for our lives and for our hearts. This is not the end all. This is the beginning of all. This is not the the end of the process. It's the beginning of the process. God, maybe we didn't even know that we were in it or maybe we've been out of it. But today we want to make sure and know that we are connected to you and we even want to make a recommitment to begin to strive to not be connected to the world to be set apart and consecrated if you raise your hand church if you didn't raise your hand would you pray right where you are with me right now are you ready Jesus forgive me 
for where I've fallen short. The things I do wrong, those things are sin. They separate me from you and your will for my life. I don't want that. I want you. Save me. Cleanse me. Fill me with your spirit. Give me your heart and help me to follow you with all of that heart for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, would you tell somebody before you leave here today? And whoever you tell, would you help that person just write their name down on a card and let us know the decision that they made for Jesus? If you need room to write it, you can write it on the back. And if you don't want anybody to see it, you can go hand it to one of these people in the back. And then I I think that they may even ask you to pray with them as they're kind of just gathered around the room before you leave today. Don't walk out of this place with a secret. You hear me? Share it. Share it and be open. Admit it. And God can bring healing and freedom. Don't forget, if he can change you from unspiritual to spiritual, he can handle the rest. What you're struggling with is not bigger than what he's already paid for. It's good. He's a good God, and He wants good things for you. If you would, if you don't mind, if you would just lift your hands like I'm handing you a gift. I want to pray over you. We'll be dismissed today. Please fill those cards out if we can pray with you or if we can agree with you and let us know what God did in your heart today. Jesus, I pray right now that your presence would be known and recognized not only in this place, but in our hearts. God, as we go from this place, I pray that you would bless us and keep us and that your face would shine upon us and be gracious to us. God, that you would lift up your countenance upon us and give us your peace. I pray that we would be blessed in our going and blessed in our coming back and everything that we put our hands to would be blessed. Lord, I pray that you would anoint us to accomplish your will and to walk in your ways and empower us with your spirit, not to gratify the desires of the flesh, but to follow you and to be an example for you with every person that you put in our path. Lord, help us to do it together, meet people and grow closer to you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Hey, don't forget to sign up for a small group on the way out. Make sure if there's somebody in here that you don't know, you introduce yourself to them. And if you have not been to Next Steps and you would like to be, come join us today. God bless you.